Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Verse three, he answered and said to them, you know, Jesus is good with responses. He's got some quick wit and um, uh, he he could respond uh, pretty severely sometimes. And he says, why do you, Pharisees, religious people, transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Why do you transgress the, transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? The church has always had to battle, even before we had church. You got religious leaders, religious people of the law have always had, had to battle tradition. Tradition. And um, I remember when we, when we started the church in, in Florida, and even when I started, when we started here, um, we would review this verse almost every single service because here's the problem is, is we cannot come into church with preconceived notions or pre- preconceived ideas or <clears throat> um, stuff that we already know, but without the willingness and the teachability to learn more and to grow more. I heard someone say one time, if you stop learning, you stop growing. And so we as believers ought to be marked by a level of teachability, should be marked by an ability to be receptive and responsive to the word of God. And um, he's speaking here to religious leaders that had already thought that they had achieved a certain status. Uh, They already knew the law. They knew the law inside and out, and they kept the law. But while they kept the law outwardly, they were failing the law inwardly. They, they were keeping traditions of man and transgressing the commandment of God. And what's dangerous is, is we can place more value on our traditions than God's commands. I said we can place more value on our traditions than God's commands. And again, I'm, I'm taking the last week and, and this week to kind of ramp us up for Kingdom Rise Conference. And, and the problem with, with the kingdom, there is a problem with it. The problem is, is it, it will many times directly contradict a lot of our church stuff. It'll direct a lot of our uh, religious, in, in fact, you could say it this way, the kingdom shines a light on all the religious tradition. It highlights it. You didn't know how religious you were until you learned about the kingdom of God. We didn't know how much tradition we held to until the kingdom came in and started disrupting all of our stuff and starts confronting, is that a God thing or a man thing? And so Jesus showed up and he only preached one message and he only uh, engaged uh, in, in in a preaching format in one topic. That was the kingdom of God. He didn't preach about a lot of the stuff that we preach about. You can go to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four, and this is the very first time he preaches. He has not said a word preaching wise 
up until, and you know, I, I used to think that Jesus, you know, growing up, um, you know, was automatically perfect and was healing people. It's like, man, you know, he always had the power, right? It was in him. But the Bible tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. That Jesus had to learn who he was. And Jesus had to learn how his father operated. And Jesus had to learn, right? Even to the point when he was 12 years old that he was able to sit before religious leaders and he was able to teach them the law. So he, he learned, he grew. He didn't come out, boom, here I am, son of God. And you know, three, year old, three years old on the playground, you know, healing kids and multiplying the goldfish back in the classroom and you know, all this stuff. He, he didn't come out doing it. He had to learn, he had to grow in wisdom and stature. And so here in Matthew, up to Matthew chapter four, he hasn't done any miracles. He hasn't preached. He hasn't done any signs and wonders. He had to be baptized just like you and I have to be baptized to fulfill the command, to fulfill the prophecy, right? And so now Matthew chapter four, verse 17, it says, from that time, this is after he has been tempted of the devil. From that time, Jesus began, everyone say began. He began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is an interesting statement. It's the first time he's preached. First thing he's even got to say. And it says that he began. So that means you don't begin to do something if you don't keep doing it, right? It would just say he did. He preached and he said, but it said he began to preach and he began to say, which means he kept it ongoing and the word confirms that, that he was preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at this in the Amplified version. In the Amplified, from that time, Jesus began to preach, crying out, repent. Now we think repent means to run to the altar, boohooing and crying and sorry for everything you've ever done and, and ask God to, to, to come and ask Jesus to come into your heart. It says to change your mind for the better. It means to heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins. With abhorrence of your past sins. Since it says to change your mind. And so we started talking about last week, Colossians chapter three, verses one through three, set your mind on things above. If then you were raised with Christ, set your mind on what? Things above. Why do I have to set my mind? Because until I set my mind, I cannot set my life. Until I change my thinking, I can't change my living. And so Jesus is saying you're going to have to repent, not just, you know, I'm sorry for my sins. You're going to have to change your way of thinking and perceiving and receiving because what I'm bringing is going to look way different than what you've been believing. So he says, change your thinking. That's literally what the word repent means. Repent means to change your thinking. If you'll change your thinking on sin, then you'll live differently when it comes to sin. If you'll change your thinking on your finances, then you'll live differently when it comes to finance. If you change your thinking, then you can change your living. So the, the kingdom where, where we really get hindered with the kingdom message is in our thought process. Where we really get, where we get stuck 
on receiving the kingdom message. And let me tell you something. I, I don't want to confuse this. The kingdom message is not a subject in the Bible. It is the Bible. I can't say that enough. I can't, you, you have to grasp that. We're not gonna spend a few days talking about the kingdom. We're going to spend a few days reminding ourselves of what everything else is wrapped up in. It's wrapped up in the kingdom. So if you don't get the kingdom, you'll miss the whole book. And men of, men of known, men of, of knowledge, men of, of, of doctrinal theological background have missed that because they didn't recognize the Bible is about a king his kingdom, and his royal offspring. I'll say that again. The Bible, this whole book from beginning to end is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. It's about the king, the heavenly father, God, king of heaven, and a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, and his children that rule and reign in the kingdom of God. That's the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so when you get the kingdom message and you get the, and I don't, I don't call it a kingdom message. You've probably heard me call it a kingdom lens. A lens. What do lenses do? They help you see something. They help you, they, they correct your vision so you can accurately perceive and respond to what you see. Without the correct lens, guess what? Guess what? We have we, there, there is uh, sight issues. We don't see things correctly or we may see things blurry. And so therefore we can't perceive or receive from what is, what's been right in front of us the whole time. So when Jesus shows up, he's helping put on the kingdom lens. Uh, here, here, let me tell you, this is why. This is, the, the, the kingdom brings purpose to everything that we've already done. And so now in Matthew chapter 15, he's approaching or he's being confronted by, he's not confronting them, they're confronting him on why his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Tradition. Tradition. And now Jesus shows up and he says, you're not going to grasp this unless you repent. Repentance is actually more difficult than we think. When, you're, when, you are, when you are confronted with true repentance and you recognize, I actually have to change my whole thinking on this matter. I have to change the whole way that I even see this or receive this. I have to change the whole, the whole way that I perceive this. Now we recognize that this thing's bigger than just confessing sins and coming to an altar and having someone pray for you and, and confess. I don't know about you, but I have to repent like every day. I have to change my thinking every day. Really, the, the pardoning of sin is only an element of repentance. That's part of it, but it's not the whole. When I'm truly repentant, I change my thinking. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus explains this a little deeper. In Matthew chapter nine, and we're going to look at verse 14. 
And look what we're confronted with again. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? I'm gonna tell you right now, if, if you are bound by practices and rituals and outside showing of things, that's called religion. Can we just get that straight? You are, you are religiously bound if, if we are set in, in, in stone. The, the responses and the actions are a result of what's in your heart. And so the checking the boxes and the, the do's and don'ts, that's called religious practice. That's religious practice. So they're saying, why do we fast often? But your disciples, they don't fast. Then Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Now look what he says in verse 16. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, what's interesting is if you actually read this in the Greek that it's written in, we see the word new in there several times, and to us it means the same thing every time. New means new. But one of these is not like the other. And the word new, the word new in front of a new wine is actually not new. It means renewed. Renewed. Re means to go back to the beginning of something. It means to go back to a former state. When you put the word, or you put the, the, uh, the, the is it a, a preface? When, when you put that in front of a word, R-E, it means you're going back to something, restore or renew. If you're restoring a vehicle, you're not going, you don't go to a dealership, buy a brand new vehicle, say, oh, look, I restored my vehicle. No, you didn't. You bought a brand new vehicle. You say, I'm restoring a vehicle if you have an old vehicle and you're working on it to make it new. New paint job new engine, new motors. It's the same as it was before, but you're reconditioning it or repurposing it or restoring it. And so we're actually taking wine that we've actually had the whole time is what Jesus is saying. But now what you put that, that wine in it will destroy. See, you'll lose the kingdom message if you try to filter it in the wrong thing. You will lose the kingdom message if you try to make it fit all your religion. You'll lose the kingdom message if you try to... See, what we have to do in this place is we have to come in here and we have to dig out all the old stuff. See, that's why sometimes I wish I could preach to the Nautilus group. Because I don't have to dig out any old stuff. They don't have hurts and pains and past failures and financial issues and they don't have credit card debt and they don't have a marriage that's faltering uh, and, and you know, uh, they, they don't have those struggles that I have to tear down the wall just to build a new one. 
But in here, we come in with our walls, and we come in with our ideas, and we come in here with our agendas, and we come in here with our doctrine, and we come in here with what this is what they did at my last church, and they come in here with this is what my pastor used to say, this is what my grandma used to say. I remember talking to uh, a young girl uh, when I was working at a bank. I was probably, I don't know, I was very young myself. I was 21, 22 years old and working at a bank, and... got into a conversation with this, this girl. She was uh, of a different denomination, and I don't need to say what denomination it was, but of a different denomination and, and, and had a, uh, a different viewpoint on healing. And this was the first time in my life because I grew up in my little Pentecostal word of faith bubble where everyone believed what I believed. And so this was the first time that I had ever had a conversation, and we had talked about people like this, but I'd never been confronted with one. We had heard that there's people that believe God put sickness on you, but I'd never met one. I just heard that people believe that. And I'm like, oh, that's absurd. That's weird. And so I'm having this conversation and I finally meet one. And I'm like, you you actually believe God will put, like he has access. He has a little closet with cancer in it. And if you're being bad, he pulls it out and pulls out some, like he doesn't even have access my God is good. The thief comes to steal, to kill. But, the, the, but God, my God came to give life and life more abundantly. Where does he get the cancer from to put it on people? I mean, I'm just having a conversation. And I come into conversations open-minded. I don't come into conversations trying to confront people. And, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you can't find where God puts sickness on people. It is not in the Bible. So I'm having this conversation for the first time and, 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 and she couldn't give me any scripture to support her position. But she could tell me about her grandma and she could tell me about her pastor. And I'm saying, I, I honestly, I, I'm sure your grandma was a lovely lady and believed God and loved God, but, but I, need, I need the Bible. And Well, you know, this, this one guy, he wrote a book on it. I don't, I don't want a book. There's a difference between my regular diet and supplements. Anybody in here live off of supplements? Anybody li- living off of protein shakes and, and minerals and vitamins and your little GNC pills? No, you don't live off of that stuff. It's supplemental that you add to the main course, the main diet. So if the word is not your main diet, if you're living off a of version Bible app of the you know, verse of the day, it's not gonna get it done. Come on. What's your diet? What you put in is what you get out. I mean, I just, I, I want the word to, to found itself. And I'm thankful for authors and ministers. I'm thankful for the, the things that we have to, to confirm it. But at the end of the day, I've got to have the word of God. It's one thing I loved about Brother Hagin's books is you, it's probably 50-50. It's half Bible and half his teaching. You know, he never wrote a book. He's got millions of books out there, but he never wrote a book. They're just stuff that he preached and then they put it into books. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. See, the word is what keeps us founded. The word is what keeps us founded. The word is what keeps us grounded in what is tradition and what is command. It, it keeps us in, grounded in what is man-made stuff Because you know what the enemy loves to do? The enemy loves to pervert more than destroy. Can I just say that? 
He would rather pervert the word than destroy it. Because if he destroys it, then you just don't have access to it. If he perverts it, you'll have access to it and believe it as if it's true when it's not and it will produce nothing in your life. He is a perverter. Pervert means to twist. So he'll take what you see and allow you to come to a different conclusion than what the word actually stated and what it meant. So the kingdom of God is built on the word of God. It's built, the kingdom is not built on our traditions, I'm just gonna tell you. It's not built on our ideas and our agendas, it's built on God's word. If I can't go to the word and find it, if I can't go to the word and, and build a foundation on it, then it's not of God and it's not the kingdom and it will fall. The kingdom is the only thing that stands on a solid ground. The kingdom will not be shaken, Hebrews tells us. And so Jesus is helping us see here that, that what we're putting it in is just as important as the resource itself. And the kingdom will remain powerless in the lives of believers that don't know where to put it. The kingdom of God will remain, it will remain just the subject. It will remain just an idea and never become the foundational principle that the word claims it to be and that Jesus claims it to be. We have to have a value for the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 12, y'all know this, y'all have seen this. Romans chapter 12. We need to be reading our Bibles. Amen? We need to have a, a Bible that we read every day. I know it sounds elementary. I know it sounds simple. And, 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 and this is why I quit reading my, my, my Bible on my iPad because my, my Bible, my physical Bible, doesn't get notifications. And, and my physical Bible doesn't have safari or apps. It's called distractions. And I can get in this thing and I'm, I don't get, if I get distracted by anything, it's by, oh, that's got a little A by it. And where's the A? Okay. And then, the, and then I start turning over to another passage where it, 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 it connects. And maybe some people in this room have never even done that. You've never even found where a word in one verse is found in another passage and you can find the connection and the confirmation of the word. And you need to get a study Bible, a, study, a spirit-filled study Bible, such as the spirit-filled Bible that I use. And a little plug, maybe they'll give me some money for that. But you need a spirit-filled study Bible that's got spirit-filled men, spirit-filled believers that can give some commentary and direction to what you're reading and open up some insight. But that, that, that takes time. And I know we, we just, we don't have time, do we? We are so busy, so busy, and so, so much time is given to other things. Romans chapter 12, verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, talking to us, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In verse two, and do not be conformed. That means to become as to this world, but 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Most believers these days, they want their situation to be transformed, but they don't want to be transformed. I'm telling you right now, the transformation that God is looking for in the earth today is in people, not in stuff. Did you hear me? Did you get that? God wants his people to be trained. We are living vessels. We should be living holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. There should be a a lifestyle change and there should be a pattern change and there should be a, a habits and attitude change and there should be a response change. All of that becomes transformed when I allow the word to transform. But where does the transformation start? Right here in my mind, in my mind. Let me say this, both God and the devil, neither one has access to you except through your mind. Your mind is is the battlefield. Your mind is the most powerful thing that you have your disposal. And the word says much. See, see, God can do a lot. He's got a lot of power. But you know one thing that he doesn't have power of? Our minds. He will not touch it. God, help, help my mind. Help my, he won't do it. It's off limits. I remember we, we were at a conference earlier this year. We were at Jerry Ann's conference. And um, the Light Breaks Through conference earlier this year across town. And we had a, a panel, you know, up sitting up there. I think, Josh, you were up there. and A few of us were up there and answering questions from people that were giving some questions. And uh, someone asked the question, uh, how, you know, how, how can I help my thinking or change my, I have anxious thoughts and, and they just seem to come and I, I can't do anything about it. And, 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 you know, how can I change that? And I said, well, the, the first thing that you have to gather is the misconception that you can't change your mind. The, the first thing you have to understand is that your mind is your responsibility. Until we grasp that, we'll never take control of our mind. We'll never walk in the authority of setting our mind. Isn't that what we just read last week? That's an instruction to you, to a believer, to set your mind. Of all the miracles that Jesus did when he was on this planet, I mean, think about it. He walked on water, cast out demons, healed people, raised people from the dead. He he commanded a fig tree to die. Of all the things he did, the one thing that he could not do when he was on this planet was change the minds. That's why he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he had no access to their minds. If he did, he would have done it. And the opposition that he confronted and and the the opponents that he had in his life and those that were hostile to his ministry were people that did not change their thinking. Change their thinking. If you're struggling with anxiety, change your thinking. If you're struggling with finances, change your thinking. If you're struggling uh, with, with anger and rage, 
Change your thinking. It all starts in your mind. It all starts in your mind. And so the kingdom is not something that can, that can be grasped intellectually. You don't study it theologically and doctrinally. Look, there are people that have put their absolute confidence in that stuff. I have people look down on me because the Bible school I graduated from wasn't like a, a theological seminary. Let me tell you what, I probably got more word at my Bible school than you'll get sitting in that classroom for 10 years. Because I got faith people, faith believers that know how to apply the word, not just study it and, and look at it and, and, and break it down, all the Greek and the Hebrew and da, 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 da. I'm talking about living the word. Yes, we got to study the word. You can't live what you don't know, but you gotta, you gotta have some application of the word. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And the ones that Jesus confronted and had the most opposition, they knew the law, they just didn't live it. They were whitewashed tombs. Pulling out adulterers. Naked into the streets. Probably pulled her out of one of the Pharisees' houses. Probably one of them sleeping with her. But they're going to call her out because that's what sin will do. Sin will highlight yours and love mine. Man, when we get serious about the kingdom of God, we get serious about his plan of redemption and his plan of restoration and his plan of love for his people, then, 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 then your mind will begin to change. And when your mind changes, you begin to see things. I told you last week, this kingdom more than anything, I've had people ask me, what is this kingdom all about? What is this Kingdom Rise conference all about? What, what, what's the theme? It, it's Kingdom Rise. <laughs> rise up to the level that God's called you to be. But more than anything, it's, a, it's, it's about a per perspective shift. It's about changing the way you see things. I don't want you walking out of here thinking, well, marriage is going to be restored if I go to this conference and my finances are going to come into order if I go to this conference and, 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 and my anxiety is going to go away and, and somebody's going to come and a minister, uh, you know, because uh, sometimes we place value on ministers that are far from us than the ones that you have right in your own backyard and some minister from out of town is going to come. He's going to lay hands on me. I'm going to be delivered. No, no, no. What's going to happen is you're going to be given some starting places and some starting points because God could heal you miraculously here and you could find yourself wind up right back in the mess you were because you thought a miracle was going to change your life when it's you that changes your life, when you submit it to the Lord. So that's what's going to happen. I, can pro I can't promise you that legs are going to grow out. I can't promise you eyes will open, ears will open. I can't promise you the miracles. I can promise you that you will be given a word that will be a foundation for your life and you'll find yourself overcoming addictions and overcoming habits and overcoming patterns and overcoming lifestyles and overcoming things that are keeping you from the kingdom of God. You are one decision away from walking out the plan of God for your life. One decision away. One decision, one choice. The choice is yours. Yeah, it's called Kingdom Rise because we're going to rise up to who we are. Stop thinking of yourself lowly. Stop thinking of yourself beneath. When you understand the kingdom, then you understand who you are in Christ. You understand your position and you quit letting things talk to you and you start talking to it. 
If you're bound by addictions that are from this world, you'll realize that trees and plants talk to you. Where do you think beer comes from? Where do you think, what do you think tobacco is? Tobacco is a plant. Last time I checked, we were to dominate the earth, not be dominated by it. And it talks to you. When you're going down the aisle in the store, it says, buy me. And when it's in your pocket, it says, chew me. And when it's in your refrigerator, it says, drink me. Yeah, it talks. For some of us, you know, money, guess what? It does grow on trees. And it talks to people. Spend me. The pastor says it's time to receive tithe and offering. Don't spend me. <laughs> Keep me. Get more of me. No, I'm going to walk in domination. Uh, you know, if, if this rubs you the wrong way, oh, that, that stuff, you know, dominating the world and we're in authority. If that bothers you, I, there's, an, there's another church. Uh, can I just say that? I'm not going to rescind on what the word says. It says that we were given authority and dominion on the earth. Don't scratch that out of my Bible. I underlined it. I didn't scratch it out. Come on, there's some stuff that we're not preaching. There's some stuff we're not covering. There's some stuff that, that, that for whatever, we, you know, here's another one, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how hard of a time we have people, we, we have trying to help people receive the Holy Spirit. But this time of year tells me that people can, know, can understand and recognize spirits. It's October I mean, there's a movie coming out for kids, for kids. I don't even remember which one it was. We're, we're there watching the Christopher Robin movie. Like sometimes it's just better to show up after the trailers, you know. Gummy bears blowing up and jumping on a, on a, on a guy, like evil gummy bears. But then we talk about the Holy Spirit that wants to empower you and raise your life up and bring you to another standard. Ooh, don't talk to me about the Holy Spirit stuff. Talking in other tongues, whoa. Give me a break. Ghostbusters? Goosebumps? It's all spirits, man. It's all stuff that you can't see, the weird stuff. Hoaxes and, and, and all the... The, the stuff that, that, that this time of year reminds us, you know what? We don't have as much a problem with the spirit realm that we think we do. But the enemy has locked up the Holy Spirit because he knows that in the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is the one that governs your life and helps you come in and direct and lead your life and then empower you to walk in the authority because authority and power are not the same thing. I can have the authority without the power and I can have the power without the authority. We have both in the kingdom of God. And if I use power outside of the authority of the kingdom of God, that's called illegal. I have not been authorized. And the devil has power, yes, but he does not have authority. So he has his way and he's doing all, all this stuff and, and he's operating illegally and until the ones that operate in their authority show up, he'll run his, that's why the stuff that happens in the earth should go through the church first. 
Stuff that happens in the planet is either what the church allows or doesn't allow. Yes. Matthew chapter 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I will give to you the kingdoms, the, the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bond on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Authority, a position in Christ. Go look and I told you this morning, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, that's where you need to study. Why? Because you'll find that in him or in Christ passage over, I think it's what, 75 times something just in those four books. You think we're trying to get a point across? You think we're trying to understand something? You think we're trying to grab a concept? You think, you think God is trying to help us understand that the church is not just some group that sits around and tries to live life right and then one day go to heaven, but the church is the authorized vehicle in the earth through which God is ordaining and moving his power into the earth. The church is. You and I. Worship team, come on. I'll, I'll keep going all day long. I'm, I'm, th this stuff fires me up. It's the kingdom of God. It's the power through which we are to be living. You have Romans 12 in the Amplified, Andre. Romans 12 in the Amplified version. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication, a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your member, members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. I want to live the perfect, holy, acceptable plan and will God has for me. But it will not come outside of my understanding of the transformation process and the renewal that has to take place in my mind. This week when you come, from Wednesday night through the rest, you know, the, the ministers called me and said, you know, anything particularly you want me to minister on, but they've done this before. They know what they're doing. They know what vein to go in. And every single time we've done this conference, they just tag on each other. They don't know who's saying what, but it just builds. It escalates. By the time we get to, to Friday night, I'm telling you, we're gonna blow the roof off of this place. But the word is gonna be rich in the, the renewing of your mind. We, can, we as ministers, we can help you get started. That's what we can do. There, there's, there's, no, 
There's no tricks. There's no hocus pocus. There's, there's none of that. There is, if you will renew your mind to the word, you will transform your life to the word. If you will discover the kingdom of God, if you allow your mind to be shifted, I, I tell you right now, if you can't handle correction, it's very difficult to be a Christian. And we, we, have, we have developed this idea that correction is negative. We've developed this perception that, that correction means I'm doing something wrong. No, how about the fact that it's helping you get it right? Man, I, I haven't been treating my wife the way I need to. I wanna get that right. I, I haven't been treating that person the way I should, but I wanna get that right. I haven't been viewing myself the way I should. I've been allowing others to dictate how I feel and, and, and the joy that I have, but I want to get it right. We cannot grow and live without the correction of the word in our lives. So yeah, the, the kingdom comes in. Jesus said, it will disrupt everything you do. You better get a new wineskin or everything that we say and everything that we preach and everything the word says and everything that the Holy Spirit reveals will go by the wayside. You'll lose the wine and your wineskin. Your little traditional package that you thought worked, you'll lose that too. You'll lose it all. But if you come in here with an open mind and you come in here with an open heart and say, Father, I just wanna receive what your word has for me. I wanna receive from the vessels that you're bringing in here. I wanna receive a transformation in my life, then you will come in here. You will come in here and you'll receive the new wine and it will change your life. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.